Imagine. A long time ago, we used to be able to walk hand in hand with the father in the garden in the cool of the day. What would it look like for you and me to have that again? All right. Uh, well, we're going to continue our series when you pray. Uh, how many of you loved Pastor Johnson's message last week? Wasn't it awesome? It was an outstanding message. And uh, what I loved about the message was it reflected God's heart for us in prayer. God wants to know us in a very intimate way. Amen? And here's the way I see intimacy. Intimacy means this. Into me, see. In other words, when God wants to, to relate to us in an intimate way, He wants to be able to look into us and see our heart, to see our ways, to see our love, to see the things that reflect our relationship with Him. He wants us to see, and He wants us to look into Him and see. See His heart for us, see His love for us, see His work for us, to see His passion for us. He wants to connect to us, not just in an activity called prayer. He wants to connect to us in a relationship that gets expressed through prayer. That's God's heart for us. And today we're going to continue this series and we're going to move to the next step. And that is, uh, the first one was kiss me and this one is search me. I don't know about you, but when I hear that word search me, I go, ooh, that's not as fun as kiss me. I kind of have this James Bond moment where it's kind of like, you know, he's going in, he's going to go conquer some great enemy, and he's walking up, and he walks up to this eye retina reader, and it, he looks in it, and he goes, it's kind of like that, when you say, I step towards you, God, and I say, search me, and he goes, and it knows the very detail of our heart and of our lives. Sometimes that can be a little bit unnerving for us. Uh, but today, I hope it becomes less unnerving for us. When you know, when we see uh, prayer as a point of connection with God and not a checkbox for us to check off, it changes our perspective. It changes how we approach it. It changes where we go and how we approach God and when we go. You know, in Acts chapter 13, we're going to talk about David. David was a man after God's heart, it says. In Acts 13, 22, it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So why would God say something like this about David? Because I don't know if you've ever really studied the life of David, but David was jacked up. David was a wreck. David was a total hot mess. But yet God looked at David and said, he is a man after my heart. He is a man after my heart. He will do whatever I ask him to do. Why would God say that about David? I wonder if God would say that about us. I wonder if he would say that about you. Would he look at you and say, you are a person, a man or a woman, after God's heart. I believe there's a characteristic of David that made him, uh, that made God look at him as one who he would say, he's after my heart. He's the same as my heart. He's a man who reflects who I am. And that is a heart that was tender 
towards God. Even in the mess, even in the hot mess, David was still tender towards God. He knew this, that his heart connection with God's heart was the source of his life. He knew that if I get disconnected from God, the source of life goes away. So I'm going to stay connected to God no matter what goes on in my life because he knew God, who God is. He knew God is almighty, all-powerful. He knew God is the creator of everything. But he also knew God, who God was to his people. He is faithful. He is forgiving. He's our provider. He's our helper. He's our advocate. He knew who God was, almighty, all-powerful, to who he is, and then he knew who he was to his people. Loving, faithful, kind, forgiving, advocate. So how we see God really will determine how we approach him. And David had a, a, a view of God that was so, so good. I want you to think about it like this. David knew that every part of his life was dependent on God. His spiritual life, his emotional life, his physical life. He was a warrior. He was a man who would go to war. He would go to battle. He was a man who, who uh, was not afraid of things. But yet he was a tender-hearted man towards the things of God. Proverbs 4.23 tells us this. This is David's son, Solomon. Solomon was known as the wisest man ever. And he said these words in, in verse 23 in Proverbs chapter 4. He said, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. He's telling us to guard our heart. He's telling us to keep our hearts pure before God. Now how can we look at David and go, he was a man of unpure action, but yet God looked at him as a man after his own heart. How can those things coexist inside of a person? I you to think about it like this. If you were to go to a doctor, and that doctor, uh, how many of you like going to the doctor? I, I really don't like the doctor. If you're a doctor, I like you. I just don't like to have to come see you in your office. We can see you here. You know why? Because when I go to the doctor, he says things like this to me. Your cholesterol is too high. You need to exercise. I'm like, what? I need to do what? Clearly, you need to go to an optometrist. No, they tell us things that we don't necessarily like. And the reason I don't like hearing it from that doctor it's because I don't know him, and I don't know what his heart is for me. He tells me right things. He tells me things that will help me. He tells me things that will make me better. He tells me things that will actually extend my life. But I'm like, I don't like what you're saying to me, not because of the words you're saying, but, but I just don't know your heart for me. I don't know what your heart is for me. You tell every guy that looks like me these same things. What's your heart for me? Well, you know, if we approach God like we approach a doctor, if we don't know him, we don't understand his heart for us. If we don't know his heart for us, we don't necessarily want him to search our heart. But if we know his heart for us, it causes us to say, I want to receive from you. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you see. I want to know what you think. I want to know what your ways are for me. I want to know what your thoughts are for me. You see, when we understand that our relationship with God is one that, is, that, is, that He approaches us from a loving, kind, 
gracious Heavenly Father, we go, I want to open my heart up to you. So here's where we find David. David is, he's running from God. He's, I mean, running from Saul. He's fearing for his life. He's literally trying to save his own life. And instead of asking God to destroy his enemies, this is his prayer. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and verse 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. In the midst of David's struggles, instead of praying for him to destroy his enemy, he said, search me. He said, search me. He said, know me. He said, lead me. These are the things that he was saying. And here's what he knew. When we say, search me, here's what we're saying to God. You have full access to my heart. When we ask God to come and search us, we say, have full access into my life. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the hidden stuff, the known stuff. We're saying, God, we want to give you full access into our heart. Search me. So David wanted to make sure that even though he was, he was running for his life, he's struggling, he was running away from Saul to literally save his own life. He was still wanting to know, God, show me, me. Show me my heart. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, search me, sometimes it, it, it is one of those prayers that makes me go, oh, that feels very, very vulnerable to me. Does it feel vulnerable to you? To literally say, God, search me and know my heart. The search me prayer is about giving God full access to your heart. So let's pause for just one second. And let's examine this. How could David have been so open to do this? And how can we be so open to do this? So I want us to pause and think about it. We must examine the why we believe God searches. With what attitude and what heart does He search our heart? So we have to ask this question, why God would you search us? Why would I ask you to search me? And in what attitude do you search me? See, if we think God is a fault finder, if we think God is just going to look at our lives with a critical eye, or if we think God is going to be a hard to please God, then what is it going to cause us to do? It's going to cause us to hide. It's going to cause us to hide parts of our heart uh, from God. But here's the thing about it. When we ask God to search us, it's not so He can find something. It's so He can reveal something. It's not so that He can discover our heart. He already knows our heart. He wants to, us, uh, to allow Him to search us so that we can discover our own heart. But if we see him from a, that he's looking at us through a critical eye, we're going to guard ourselves. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, hide from God instead of open up to God. But if we believe that God searches us with a love and approval, if he searches our heart with care and concern, if he's coming to tell us good things and difficult things, if we understand that he wants to come heal us, that he wants to come free us, that He wants to come redeem us, that He wants to come and restore us. If we look at it from that angle, we can say, in all of my hot mess, just like David, I can say, search me, God. Search me, God, 
and know my heart. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. Lead me, God, into a new place, into an everlasting place. Lead me, Lord. We can have this search me kind of attitude towards the Lord. You see, sometimes we go through the motions of Christianity. We go and we think if we do all the right things and we check all the right boxes, we're going to be doing okay. You see, God is not all about our behavior. Look at your neighbor and say, He's not about your behavior. God is not about behavior modification. In other words, He didn't come to save us so we can act right. That wasn't His intention. God is about our hearts being transformed into the heart that He carries. And when our hearts are transformed, when we allow God to search us, when we allow God to purify us, when we allow God to heal us, when we allow God to redeem us, when we allow God to restore us, it changes our behavior. But He doesn't do that so our behavior will line up. He does that so our heart will line up. He does that so that we are not divided in our hearts, but we are wholehearted people, wholeheartedly pursuing God. When we hide from God, when we hide portions of our life and portions of our heart from God, it causes us to have a divided heart. And when we have a divided heart, I think this is why the Bible says a double-minded man cannot stand in all of, his, uh, cannot stand in all of his ways. A double-minded man gets tossed to and fro. Why? Because he's not wholehearted. He's not whole in his inner being. And so the, all the different things that come against us can toss us to and fro. But when our hearts are, are whole and our hearts are undivided, we can stand before God without fear. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. I don't want it to be hidden. I don't want a portion of it to be hidden. I don't want any portion of it to be hidden. The good parts of me or the broken parts of me. Did you know that God is not bothered by your brokenness? Did you know that? God is not bothered by your brokenness. In other words, His, His acceptance of you is not dependent on you being unbroken. His acceptance of us is us just being turned towards Him and allowing Him to be Lord of our life. Receiving the work of Jesus Christ, the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, the healing work of the cross, those types of things, those, that's what God is after in us. Not us just behaving well. That's why so many people get it mixed up and they go, well, I'm a good person. In other words, they're looking at their outward behavior thinking that it reflects an inward work. But you know what? Our inward work has to be submitted to God in this type of prayer. Search me, God. You have full access into my heart and into my life. David prayed that nothing in his life would be hidden from God. Nothing in his life would be hidden from God. Why? Because he knew God was his source of all things. Do you know today that God is your source? Do you know that He's the source of your healing? Do you know that He is the source of redeeming your marriage? Do you know that He's the source of drawing your children to Himself? 
Do you know that he's the source of provision for you today? Do you know that God is your source of emotional health and well-being? Not external happiness, not external circumstances, but it's this internal work where God comes and he works within our heart. When we understand that, we don't want to hide from him. We want to come to him as our source. Now let me read this passage again in the message version. Psalm 139. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine. Test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See yourself whether I've, uh, see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Then guide me. Sometimes we try to go out here and we do it ourselves. We have this uh, willpower type Christianity. If I try hard enough, if I work hard enough, if I get up early enough and pray long enough, if I read my Bible long enough, if I do enough good works, if I do all the right things, then it's going to be okay. And we will our way. We will our way. But can I say this? We can't will our way to, heal, to healing. We surrender our way to healing. We can't will our way to wholeness. Search me, God. Know me. Help me know me. Help me know me, God. Search me. When we understand that God is our source, we shift our prayer life from God do this for me to God do this in me. That's where you can see if your life is maturing in, as a believer. How do you pray? What are you asking God for? Are you asking Him to do minor things in your life? Are you saying, God, search me? God, search me. God, search me. Husbands, I wonder what would happen when you and your wife have a bit of conflict. If you just let her go into the next room and just, instead of sitting there and building a case in your mind about how wrong she is, you sit there and you say, God, search me. Search my heart. What really is my heart right now? I wonder what would happen. I wonder how it would change your relationship with your spouse. I wonder if when your teenage kid slams their bedroom door and you just want to... I wonder what would happen if you took just a few minutes instead of getting up there and letting them know who the boss is. That you go down to your knees because you know who the boss is. And you say, search me God. Show me my heart in this moment. I wonder what would happen. I wonder how it would change our lives. I wonder what it would happen if we go to work and our boss just reams us out and we want to tell him a thing or two or her a thing or two or we just want to walk out the door and say, forget this, I don't deserve this, you can't treat me this way, all of those things. I wonder if we walk back to our office and sat in our seat for just a moment and said, God, search me. You see, that's what David was doing. David was running from Saul who was trying to kill him. 
David found two different times where he could have killed Saul. In fact, one time he finds him in a cave. He's asleep and he goes in and he cuts the corner of his, of his robe off. Which was kind of a, I could have killed you, Joker. Kind of mindset in that moment. But yet, what happened? When David stepped away from it, here's what he said. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Why? Because his heart was towards God. His heart was pure towards God. I wonder what would happen when we understand that. So when we pray a search me prayer, it is the key to a transformed life. It's the key to a transformed heart. It's a key to where God totally transforms who we are in this moment. Why? Because we begin to see through a different lens and through a different perspective. We begin to know in a different way. There's multiple ways to know something. We can know it in our mind, but God wants us to know it in our heart. God wants to show us things, not because He wants to condemn us about it, but because He wants to do something about it. Not, he, wants to, he wants to reveal our hearts to us. Why? Because sometimes we have really great things in our heart and we don't believe that about ourselves. It's easy for us to believe that the only thing that God would reveal in us is wickedness or bad things or sin in our life. But what if He wants to reveal something great? What if He wants to reveal your heart towards your family, or he wants to reveal to you your heart towards him. Instead of proving it, he just says, let me show you it. Let me show it to you. Because here's what I know. There's a lot of people in this room that you've lived with divided hearts, and God wants to take that divided heart and make it a whole heart. Why? Because he wants you to see who you are. You see, he could have referred to David as many, many different things. David was a sorry leader. He was an abdicator. He was a, an adulterer. He was a murderer. That's what God could have said to him. But God said to him, he's a man after my heart. I wonder if God wants to speak that to some of you today. Would it make us more willing to come and allow him to search us if we knew that that was his heart for us? I think so. I think so. So David knew that the search me prayer was the key to a transformed heart. So there are three main areas uh, of the search me prayer. And the first one is reveal my motives. The second is reveal my fears. And the third is reveal my sin. So when we come to God, we want to say, God, reveal my motives. How many of you know sometimes we have a Good intentions, but we have some bad motives. Anybody in here? Is it just me? Sometimes we have good intentions, but we have bad motives. I remember this time when um, many years ago, Sherry and I used to direct a traveling music group to travel all over. And um, it was made up of students from Christ for the Nations in Dallas, and, uh, Dallas, Texas. And so I had this young lady who came into my group. Her name was Hannah. Hannah was not my favorite person initially. I know you're not supposed to have favorites and people who aren't favorites, but she was not my favorite. And the reason why she wasn't my favorite was because she challenged me all the time. She challenged me all the time. 
And she was a girl who would get into all kinds of crazy things. She would do the stupidest things sometimes. You're like, did you think about that? Did you have any idea of the implications of what you just did? No, she didn't. And I remember bringing her in one time and I, I corrected her and I said, now listen, if you do this again, and this was not some light thing, this was a pretty heavy thing that she had, she had done. I said, hey, if you come and if you do this again, I'm going to have to dismiss you from the group. Okay, okay, no tears, no, no, actually no repentance in that moment. She just goes off and wasn't much longer, she did it again. So I brought her in. When I brought her in, she's sitting in my office and I'm about to break the news that she can no longer be a part of our group and the Holy Spirit said to me, don't remove her. I'm like, you could have told me that before she got in here. So I told her, I said, listen, I know I told you if you do it again, I'm going to remove you. I'm not going to. I'm going to give you another chance going out and uh, don't do it again. Well, guess what? She did it again. Bring her in. About to, about to break the news to her and the Holy Spirit says, don't remove her. I said, look, I'm serious about this. I mean this. Don't do this again. So I put some parameters in and had her do a few things. And I said, don't do it again or I'm going to have to remove you. Well, guess what? She did it again. So she shows up in my office and this time she cried. This was the first time she cried. It's the first time she showed any emotion. And I'm getting into this, talking to her, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, removing her will not do what you think it will. I'm like, Snap. Not again. And all of a sudden, she looks up at me, tears streaming down her face, and she said to me, removing me will not do what you think it will. Oh. Normally, I would have said, I think it will. <laughs> <clears throat> but in this case, the Holy Spirit had done it so many different times, and I said, you know what, I, I, I agree with you. And the only reason I agree with you is because the Holy Spirit spoke those exact words to my heart before you said it. And I don't know what to do with you right now. I literally do not know what to do with you right now. I'm not going to remove you because I believe that that's the Lord leading me and leading us. But I really don't know what to do. And I just want you to know I'm very serious about this. And my fear is when I let you go is that you're just going to think this is the third or fourth time he said that. And so he really doesn't mean it. I can keep doing whatever I want to. I said, that's my fear. And she said, I won't do that. Well, you know what? I didn't believe her. But I, I was sitting here dealing with God in, in this moment. And so I send her out of the office. And as the door closed behind her, I wish I had this really intimate, special moment with God. But I, that door closed and I said, what the heck is going on, God? I was so like, what is it? And the Lord said... You're correcting her because you think it reflects poorly on your leadership. Not because you care for her. I'm going, but God, I do care for her. He goes, I know you care for her, but you care more about how it's reflecting on your leadership. Then, here's the thing about God. When he comes to reveal our heart motive, he also comes to reveal his heart motive. And so he came and he said... 
I never correct to control. I only correct to redeem. My motive was to protect my image. His motive was to redeem this young lady. God will show us our motives if we will listen to him. So God revealed our motives. The second is God revealed our fears. Psalm 139 verse 23 it says, Know my anxious thoughts. David saying, Know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxiety. Know where I am anxious, God. I want you to know that. I want you to show me that. I'm not talking about anxiety around small things like or fears around small things. I'm talking about fears around real things. Fears around small things are like snakes. I'm going to run if there's a snake. My wife asked me one time, she's from Canada, they'd step over logs in Canada like this. I'm like, you don't step over logs in the south. There's a snake on there. He'll bite you, you step on the log and look and then go over. She goes, she asked me, she said, well, what would you do if you saw a snake coming towards me? I said, I would run and tell you, come on. She wanted me to save her. I'm like, I trust the Lord with you in that moment. <laughs> We're not talking about those kinds of fears. We're talking about real fears, real anxieties like, will my marriage make it? We're talking about real fears like, am I going to lose my job? We're talking about real fears like, will my kids ever really turn to God? We're talking about these things that really get us deep down inside, get us anxious. They get us where we're concerned and we're, we're afraid of things. Some of us, it might be, will I ever get married? Will I ever have kids? Maybe we fear failure. We feel, fear rejection. Maybe we fear premature death. Maybe... Maybe we've literally been given a diagnosis and we fear the outcome of that thing. Whatever the case is, David was saying, this search me prayer, know my anxieties. So why would David pray this? Because our anxieties and our fears are a reflection of where we don't fully see or trust who God is. It's a reflection of where we don't fully see God or fully trust who God is in this moment. It's a moment where we go, you don't understand my boss, Randy. He's a jerk. He may be. But I understand this. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it whichever way he wills. You may say, you don't understand the diagnosis I got this week. I don't. And I can't even imagine it. But I know that the healing is the children's bread. You don't understand how bad my marriage is. I don't. But I've had a broken marriage. And I watched God heal it. Well, you don't understand the depths of my desire to have kids. Yeah, actually I do. We were told without a miracle we'll never have children. We have two. 
Why? Because God is the giver of life. So I wonder what it is that we fear today. Philippians 4 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This word guard means to place a military guard around. So when we come to God in prayer, and we leave our anxious ways with God, it says that His peace that passes all understanding will come and circle around, put a military guard around our hearts, and keep us in perfect peace in this moment. It'll keep us in this place. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. But if we don't know that, we won't cast our anxieties on Him because we don't know if He'll catch them and care for them and care for our heart. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. So I ask you today, where do you fear? Where do you have anxiety? We all have it. It's a great place for us to invite God into that place. To invite Him. You, no, 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 no. i got to get this. i got to get peace and then I can invite God in. No, you will never have peace until you invite God in. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not coming to discover that you have mess in your life. He already knows it. He's coming to help us discover that we have redemption in our life. He's coming to help us understand that even in the midst of that mess, we can be men and women after His heart. Because of His work in our lives. And then the last thing is He reveals our sin to us. I don't know about you, but that gets scary to me when I think about, God, I want you to come in. Would you reveal my sin to me? You're going, man, I hope if I act good enough, he won't know that I have it. Man, if I can get this together, maybe he won't see it. He knows it already. He knows where there's sin in your life that you yet are yet to know where there's sin in your life. So when he comes in, he doesn't come swinging a hammer, swinging a sword. He comes in with a scalpel that says, let me do surgery here so I can bring healing to that. Let me touch that so I can heal that, redeem that, restore that back to its original intent. He said, we confess our sin to God, He forgives us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives us in those moments. You see, He wants us to have a heart that says, Search me, God. Why? Because He wants intimacy with you and me. He wants this intimate relationship. This relationship that's birthed out of open-heartedness. And when our relationship with God is open-hearted, then He can come in and do His work and make it whole-hearted. How many of you like to have a whole heart?
Raise your hand high if you want it. I believe it's here for us today. How many of you have areas of your heart that are broken? The Bible says he's near to the broken hearted. He's near. He is near to us today. He is near to us. He has come close to us. James 5 verse 16 says to confess our sin to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. I believe there's a really important thing about confession. When we acknowledge that we have sin and we can confess it to others, I'm not saying carelessly, but wisely. When we confess our sin to God and know that He cares for us and we can be open and honest with some of our closest friends that love us and care for us and will pray for us, we can be cleansed and we can be whole. We're going to take just a moment we're going to invite God to come search us. It's not something we need to fear because His heart is for us. But in this search me prayer, these are the things that we're going to pray. We're going to invite God to search our interior world. God, would you come search my inner person? Would you come search my interior world? This is where our thoughts and our motives and our actions are. Then we're going to invite God to identify areas that are harmful to our lives and others. This may be where there's sin. This may be where there's destructive behaviors in our lives. He doesn't want to come just to reveal the behavior. He wants to come to reveal the root of the behavior. Because He wants to heal the root so the behavior can go away. Then we're going to ask. We're going to invite God to come and lead us somewhere new. This is really important because so often we don't ask God to lead us somewhere. We just try to prove to Him that we can handle it. And God wants to come and take us by the hand and lead us to a new place. And I believe every single one of us in here today, God wants to lead us to a different place before we leave. But it starts with us allowing God to search us. So in other words, we invite God into those broken and confused places in our lives and we listen to those places as He leads us out. As He leads us to wholeness. So would you just lift your hands? and Our team's going to come and they're going to lead us. We're going to pray this search me prayer. There's the questions, the things on the... Lord, search your interior world. Ask God to search, come and invite Him to, insert, to search our interior world. Ask Him to identify areas that are harmful to us or to others. Ask God to lead us somewhere new. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace to us, God. Father, I thank You for Your heart for us. You want us to come into this intimate place with you so you can kiss us. So that you can love on us. So that you can show your heart for us. God, you know that when we come from that place, that we can come take our next step and say, search me, God.
and know my heart. Try me, God, and know my anxious ways. And lead me to a place of eternal life. So let's just open our hearts and begin to invite him in to come and search us today.